Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. So on Easter Sunday, I'm going to be talking about things that are dead and things that are alive. The Bible says that in this time that we have on earth, there is a time to live and a time to die. When we get to heaven, there will no longer be any death, and it's going to be amazing and wonderful. But for now, there is a time to live and a time to die. But the point of my talk today is very simple. It's getting the right things to live and getting the right things to die at the right time. Because how many of us know there are some things that are supposed to die, and in fact, we wish they would die? I don't know why cockroaches were invented. (laughs) I do not know. There must be a good reason. So I'm going to go through the story of the the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let me start with a verse from Mark chapter 16, verse 9. It said, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So my first point is there are some things that we want to die in our lives, but we struggle to kill them. And Mary Magdalene, we don't know much about her. We don't know what these demons were. She had seven demons, and when she met Jesus, he set her free. Now, they could have been demons of sickness. There are times in the Bible where it speaks about evil spirits of sickness or infirmity. There was a lady who was bent over for 18 years. There were other people who were sick. And Jesus rebuked the fever, the infirmity, and the demon left. So it could have been sickness. It could have been some kind of occult thing where she got involved in witchcraft or occult stuff, and there were demons that were just kind of oppressing her, giving her bad dreams, uh, tormenting her bad thoughts. She couldn't get free from bad emotions. That could have been it. It could have been a a sin-related demon that just made her compelled to repeat the same sin over and over again. But whatever the case, there were seven things in her life that she wanted dead that she could not kill. Can anyone relate? I can. You know, there are things in our lives that we want dead, but we cannot kill them, and Jesus can. Jesus cast the demons out of her. And we're going to follow this lady, Mary Magdalene's story. John 19, verse 25, my next section, talks about things that have died in our lives that we didn't want to die. In John 19, verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So now we're at the cross of Jesus, watching him die, and Mary Magdalene is there watching Jesus die. How many of you have had something die in your life that you didn't want to die? I have. I have more, friend, I have more relatives in heaven than I have on earth. I'm the last of my family left. I have no close relatives other than those who are my children and my wife now. My sister, my mother and father, my grandparents, everyone has died. Uh, And all of us have gone through things where we had something die that we didn't want to die. Verse 30 says, So when Jesus had received 
the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's talk about Mary Magdalene for a second. She has been set free by Jesus from these seven things that bound her, and it changed her life so much that she became a devoted follower of Jesus. She followed him around. She helped wherever she could. She was there at the end at the cross watching him die. And this man who had saved her, who had set her free, who had taught her so many great truths, and who had given her acceptance and life and a purpose in life, was dying. And she was battling. She couldn't understand it. There was a sense of confusion, a sense of loss, a sense of pain, desperation, grief, anger, depression, all of these emotions because, you know, the human being was not designed to handle death. When God made human beings 1.0, Adam and Eve, the plan was for them never to die. And so when we experience death in ourselves or of somebody else, we don't have the capacity to handle it well. Isn't that true? We don't know. It, it like blows fuses in our minds because we say, I can't handle this. And many of us have lost loved ones, friends, even pets, and it's terrible. But you know, there are other things that we've lost that we grieve as well. Uh, let, me, let me just talk about hopes and dreams. Mary Magdalene must have thought, you know what? I was on one path that was not a happy, healthy, healthy path, and Jesus put me on this one. Now have I lost my hopes and dreams, a lost uh, desire or excitement for the future. Peter, one of the main apostles, experienced this. Jesus had warned him just before Jesus was crucified. He said to Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter said, even if everyone else denies you, and even if I'm threatened with death, I will never deny you, Jesus. And then you know what he did? He denied him three times. And he felt so bad about it. He felt completely worthless as a failure. How many of you, if you've been alive for more than about 20 years, I can guarantee all of us have failed in our lives and we felt the death of something, a hope, a dream, uh, a confidence, uh, a feeling like the, the future is bright. All of us have gone through this thing where we thought we could do something, we failed ourselves, we failed other people, we failed God, and something has died. Is that true? Peter felt like that. Mary felt like that. Just a, a sense of, oh boy. And what about those dreams, those desires? You know, they talk about a midlife crisis where usually a, a male in about his 40s says, uh-oh, I'm not going to achieve all those amazing things I thought I was going to achieve. I'm not going to be a multimillionaire. I'm not going to start my own company. I'm not going to be the best footballer in the world. And suddenly they have this crisis of, oh, expectations have not been met. And often they buy a new sports car or a new wife or something like that. That's the way they handle it. 
But you know, they're now talking about quarter-life crises, where 25-year-olds are getting out into the big wide world, and they thought they were going to be just the bee's knees. Everyone was going to love them, and the world was going to fall at their feet, and they're realizing it's quite tough out there, and they're having crises of expectation. And this thing of things dying that we didn't want to die is a part of the story of Jesus, because Mary, Peter, all of the people in the Bible story had something die, and it was personified in Jesus on the cross. All their hopes and dreams died. And they didn't know how to handle it. Mary went to the tomb. She was the last there on the Friday night when they buried Jesus in the tomb. Everyone else went home, and she and one other lady, another lady called Mary, were sitting there watching the tomb. And then Mary was the first one back there on the Sunday morning. The very next day, they were allowed to be there. She was there before sunrise to see what had happened because she could not process this thing of something dying that I didn't want to die. Now, this is the key of my talk today. When we come to Jesus, he is the master of life and death. In Revelation 1, when he presents himself as the conquering king, he says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. He is the Lord of life and death. And when we give him the things we want to die that we couldn't kill and the things that died that we didn't want to die, he changes things around. He makes new life possible. And he shows us the things, the priorities that should be in our lives so that we hold on to the things that should live and we know which things should not live. And it is awesome. So let's read on. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. She was confused. You know, Jesus is not threatened by our confusion and by our questions. If we come to him and we say, Lord, I'm completely flummoxed, I'm angry, I'm feeling attacked, alone, depressed, whatever it is, if we honestly come to God, he gives us the answers. Let's read on. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside by the tomb Weeping, weeping. We're allowed to grieve for these things that have died. God is so patient with us and he understands because Jesus was a man just like us and he went through everything we go through. He understands. If you come to him, you say, Lord, I'm just, I'm broken by this loss. He understands. Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white, sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Confusion. Just trying to process things. Friends, you know, our normal response is we push those confused, worried thoughts under under the carpet, out of the light. We say, I'm just going to push them down and ignore them and be amused by other things, TV and busyness and other things. But God says, no, let's pull those out. Let's look at them and let's heal them and deal with them. Verse 14, now when she had said this, 
She turned around and she saw Jesus standing there and she did not know that it was Jesus. Hallelujah. Those of us who've been believers for a few years are able to say to you, if you are just coming into this world right now of of impossible things being possible, we're able to say to you, sometimes Jesus is right there in the midst of your grief and confusion and you don't even realize it. And Mary didn't realize it. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Friends, there is one who has overcome. There is one who is greater than life and death. There is one who proved by dying and rising again that he has the answers and he can put things into perspective for us. And that perspective is this. In Christ, there is life where there used to be death. In Christ, physical death is not the end. And in Christ, our priorities are different. And when we put our priorities in line with God's priorities, amazing things happen. You see, Jesus showed that there is no enemy, no obstacle, no pain or trauma that he cannot overcome. Can you imagine? He was killed in such a brutal way and rejected so terribly. And yet, after three days of being dead and alone in a tomb, he rose again and he lives forevermore. And he came and he showed himself to his people. And he said to them, have you got any food? And he wanted to enjoy conversation with them and they did things together. You know, Peter, that Peter that I told you about who was so despondent at his own failure, he said in John 21, I'm going back to fishing. You know, Jesus had told him, leave your fishing nets and come after me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so Peter had given up his fishing and he was now serving Jesus. And then when Jesus died and he had rejected him and denied him three times, Peter said, I'm going back to fishing. And he's there on the boat and they're struggling all night to catch. They can't catch anything. They look on the shore and there's a man there. And Peter says, who's that? And John says, it's Jesus. And suddenly they bring in a huge catch of fish, miraculous catch of fish, just like they had done the first time they met Jesus. Jesus takes them in. They have breakfast over a little coal fire. The same coal fire, that word only appears twice in the whole Bible, once at the breakfast and once when Peter denied Jesus three times. They have breakfast at the coal fire. And then Jesus says, to Peter three times, once for each time he denied him, do you really love me more than everyone else? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And he restores Peter and he forgives him and gives him a new mission and a new purpose. And Peter is full of strength and joy again. What was dead has come alive. Not only has the physical Jesus come alive, 
but Peter's hopes and dreams have come alive again. With God, all things are possible, but it's not us coming to him saying, Lord, I've got my pre-prepared list of what's important, and I want you to make these things live, and I want you to make these things die. He says, you take everything that I say is important. What I say lives, lives. What I say dies, dies. And you get your priorities restructured to be like mine. And he says, you've got to be willing to lay down your life to receive his new life. So this is the catch. Yes, Jesus is the Lord of life and death, of future and past and everything else. Yes, Jesus can do impossible things and give life and breathe new life into things that were dead. Yes, Jesus can take away the things you couldn't kill. Yes, yes, yes. But I have to be willing to say, Jesus, I lay down my life. You say, what does that mean, Greg? Well, it means this. I don't want to be the boss of my life anymore. I say, Jesus is the boss. I don't want to run after the things that make me happy. I want to say, Lord, what makes you happy? And I lay down my life and I follow you. And that, Jesus says, is life to the fullest. So this is the close of my little talk today. The world will tell us that everything's a matter of life and death. (laughs) Have you noticed? During COVID, they made ridiculous rules and they said it's a matter of life and death. And it wasn't. They said we weren't allowed to do this and that and we had to be two meters and this and you had to do this thing and this thing and now we're realizing those rules weren't actually that helpful. They were trying their best, they were doing their best, but it wasn't a matter of life and death. On social media, someone will say to you, if you're a lady, you'll watch a a video tutorial and they'll say, it's a matter of life and death that you put the right color eyeshadow on. It's not a matter of life and death. In our modern world, The ability to whip up fake outrage has become the way that people control other people. They want you to be angry, upset about things that aren't really life and death, but they say they are. Isn't that right? That's the way the world is. But there are some things that are life and death, and only Jesus can define what they are. There's one other thing that the world and the devil try to convince us of. Not only that certain things are life and death, but that religion and Christianity is not life and death. They want to show you that you can just add Christianity to your life, just like joining a sports club and maybe getting a gym membership and maybe a library card, and now I'll just add God to my life. And it's just another thing and I pay a little bit of a subscription, and now, yes, I'm part of this club, this club, this, 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 and this, and Christianity. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you want to come after me, you must lay down your life to follow me. It is life and death. You've got to be willing to die to live. There's a verse 2 Timothy 2.11 says, this is a faithful saying, if we died with him, we shall also live with him. And I feel like there are thousands, no, millions of people who think they are following Jesus, but they've just added a little, a little plug-in, a little add-on to their lives called Jesus. And Jesus says, you have to be willing to lay it down. I have to be the most important thing to you. But when you do that, 
all the dead things that shouldn't be dead come alive. And all the things that shouldn't be alive go dead. And I give you new life. And every day I breathe my new life into you. And all things are possible. That's the Jesus that we're talking about today. You may have heard of the religious Jesus, where he says, just get christened as a baby, just put your name on a list somewhere, just say you're a Christian and that's enough. He says, no, no, you've got to be willing to die. I have to be the only thing, the main thing, the biggest thing in your life. It's not just one other thing. And so I'm going to invite us today. We're going to sing a few more songs and it's going to be wonderful. But I'm asking you over the next 20 minutes or so while we're singing songs to think about this invitation that Jesus gives, that he gave to Mary, saying there's new life, but you have to be willing to lay down your old. Lord, I want to lay down my life. I want you to breathe new life into me. And Lord, those things that I've struggled to kill, I want you to help me to deal with them. Lord, those things that I wasn't thinking were important, but you say they are, I want you to breathe life into those. Lord, take control of my life. And if there's anyone here who is battling with sickness or sadness, real just confusion and depression, Jesus is here to help you today. He not only can heal your spirit and make you brand new, make you born again, make you alive, but he can heal our bodies and our minds and emotions as well. That's true. He is here. But I'm just going to pray now, and I'm going to ask you to just welcome this life-giving Jesus into your life. Let's just pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you lived, you died, and you rose again for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're alive forevermore and you're here in this place. Lord Jesus, just as you said Mary's name to her, I thank you that you are speaking to each one of us right now with love, with a smile, with forgiveness, with new life, but also with a requirement for us to lay down our own lives and to put you first. And Lord, I pray that you would flood in now with healing, with forgiveness, with mercy, with new life, with new life. I pray, Lord, that today there would be many people who would come to new life in this place today. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I come against depression and sadness, that dark cloud that's hanging over people's minds. And in Jesus' name, I say, depression, leave. Darkness, be dispelled in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that we can pray and receive healing today. That you walk amongst us. You lay your hands on sick bodies and sick minds and you heal us today. And thank you, God, that you give new life where there was death. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.